0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second episode of the Target League podcast. Today I am your host, Hunted, and here with me, my good friends, Ryan,
1: I'm Sleeky, and I'm Squid.
0: And, folks, we got uh, quite the podcast today. We're going to be focusing on the bubble scene. We've got an amazing interview with McLando a little bit later on. You are not going to want to miss that. Uh, but, fellas, first thing on the agenda, DreamHack taking over production for RLCS from NGE. And you know what? I want to start this off. I deserve an apology from one specific member of this uh, podcast here, Ryan. Please, you couldn't have been more wrong.
2: You, you're you absolutely right. I want to apologize to my parents, <laughs> my family, uh, the Rocket League community at large. Sleagy, I'm very sorry. Squid, I apologize deeply. And so, yeah, I'm just really sorry. <laughs> that was that was heartfelt. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I felt that. You know, the second I saw the announcement, I was like, damn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think we all kind of lost a piece of our soul when that one came out, but... Uh,
3: I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm freaking ecstatic for that. This is true, yes. I was I was just more mad I was wrong. I mean, hey, I, I, now you sort of know what it feels like to be me making pick selections for games. You now know how I feel.
0: See that? We need to include that as just its own section of the podcast when the grid starts. Sleegy's takes, and then just every single prediction is wrong. It's like the anti bracket. Yeah, people just
3: set their betting odds against <laughs> me, and it would be fantastic. But no, I like no. When I saw the announcement for Dreamhack taking over that RLCS production, uh, I, I really was ecstatic. Not that I think that NGE hasn't been doing a great job; their production has looked, I mean, great. But I, I do think that the Dreamhack production team has the. Potential to sort of inject a lot of new life into the not only the visual aesthetic, but just the overall feel of it. And I say that sort of biased. I've worked with Dream Hacks production in the past, but I mean, there's that's that's a group of people that if you're gonna switch from a company like NGE, you, you're not really going super wrong going to Dream Hacks production.
0: Well, that's the thing too, watching the different Dream Hacks over the years too, is that it always seems like Dream Hack has their stuff together, right? I mean, it it was always a a problem with some people. They didn't like the way that NGE handled specific things or they really appreciated the way that DreamHack uh, presented itself. And I kind of agree. I mean, some of my favorite moments, some of the best clips we have from these bigger tournaments came from uh, DreamHack Productions. Now, I, I have a feeling that DreamHack's going to be... Kind of, or the production team for DreamHack's gonna kind of have to be a little bit more muted than they normally would now that they're working directly for Psionics. So, you know, we might see a kind of a change in style from them, but um, I don't, I just think that of all of the changes that we've seen so far, you know, the whole Battle issue being a a questionable decision, I think that this was probably one of the best ones that Psionics could have made moving forward. I mean I'm pretty I'm
2: pretty supportive of it. I mean, we saw whenever they made the switch from uh in-person stuff to all online how like we could tell what the struggles were in that uh and it's it was kind of interesting from our perspective at least, at least mine, of watching these guys try that this like professional company try to move to that online side when it's like rival esports and college carball association like we're all casters for them and stuff and like they handled the online commentary like pretty flawlessly for the most part. And so to see a professional organization like NGE struggle with it was uh, a little jarring for me personally. And so, I mean, I kind of understand, especially if we're going to have to continue this online production for a bit longer. Uh, maybe DreamHack has a, has a better way of handling that.
3: And, and, you know, fairness to NGE as well. They were sort of thrust into that without any sort of time to prepare or anything they they went from doing in studio to within like a week or two having to switch all of their stuff to online so it was a bit of a tough situation for them to be put in uh just because a lot of these other places like college carball or rival or even other community tournaments who's getting an alert yeah what the heck
1: yeah sorry about that That's going to have to get cut out. Hang on. Let me check what that is. Amber alert.
0: That was so loud. I thought it was coming from my computer. Yeah. Sorry, lads. Apparently, my phone doesn't know to shut the hell up.
3: We can just cut that part out. Oh, Jesus. No, leave it in. Leave
2: it in, baby. No, no, no. no. Cut it. Cut it.
0: We're we're leaving it in. This is the joy
3: of Talk It League. Are are we actually leaving that in? Oh, yeah. We're leaving that in. Are we leaving all
0: of this in as well? Uh, Yep.
1: Let me power off my phone. You're going to jail.
0: (laughs) Okay, Please, what were you saying? I don't even remember where you were.
3: Yeah, I, I got it. I'll, I'll sort of rewind just a little bit. But yeah, they were sort of thrust into this situation where they had a week or two to really shift all of their operations over to online only. So it's it's a bit of an ask for them to be able to take that and really try and make something the best of it when you're transitioning that quickly. Uh, but I definitely think that could have potentially been a contributing factor here, especially with DreamHack uh, having sort of transitioned themselves into online-only events uh, a little more seamlessly.
1: I think, um, if I may, uh, I, I'm actually kind of stoked to see DreamHack take over. And I think this is kind of uh, a point that we might get to here in a second. But um, we did touch on the fact that uh, it might have been a little bit tough uh, in the major category uh, so looking forward to RLCSX. Will DreamHack have a major? Will we see more third-party majors? If DreamHack does run a major, then hopefully it will. they'll have the RLCS or maybe even a, a different major there, and like I commented on the last video, I find those majors to be uh, very entertaining for uh, a various number of reasons, so I would be glad to see those back. You
2: said last time you fall asleep during those. How is that? How do you find entertainment? Oh, oh, <laughs> all right, t- time out, time out, time out. I said... I have fallen asleep at Worlds before,
1: and I would like to note that that was due to the harsh travel conditions that I <laughs> underwent to make it out to Worlds those couple of times. Aww, boo hoo. <laughs> so boo-hoo. So before you get up all on your high horse, and also, one thing that I did also specifically mention was that Dreamhack had other attractions there that uh, provided me an avenue uh, with which to relieve myself of the only Rocket League kind of theme that they have going at some of the Rocket League majors.
3: So what I'm hearing is that Squid gets bored to sleeping by Rocket League and needs other games to grab his attention.
2: Only when I'm watching
0: you, Sleaggy. <laughs> World's most entertaining eSport. Yeah, we need a hot take. Squid doesn't fall asleep at Worlds.
1: Hot hot take. Rocket League is actually boring.
2: No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who invited him onto this podcast? I think it was Hunted. Hunted. I blame you. It was. Well, hey, you know what? It's We wouldn't have had content last time if I didn't invite him this time. So anyway, (laughs) I do want to mention too just quickly about DreamHack that the thing with DreamHacks 2, they have at least tried and there have been some failures and successes, but they have at least tried to incorporate B-Streams in the past to their lane events. And, you know might be a little bit biased coming from all of us but i personally would love if psionics would utilize the fact that dreamhack has already tried and succeeded in doing these b streams and trying to get more people involved getting more matches shown i mean granted i it depends on how their whole regional setup is going to work if they're just trying to display everything all at one time or if because there's so many there they need to compact them i'm not sure i know that dreamhack had extra matches so they had to shift them onto the b streams but that was cool i liked having the b stream even if the people weren't in studio even if the casters weren't at the the lan or whatever at least there was those the extra matches that we wouldn't have been able to watch either way and it never seemed like sonics was ever really down for that and i i Always wondered why, considering we do B-Streams for literally everything else.
1: Well, I think um, you actually bring up a really good point. I think one of the other valuable things about the B-Stream is you mentioned, uh, you said even though they're not in a studio. And granted, you know, that kind of is a little bit of a downside. But on the upside, I think one of the brilliant opportunities that that generates is we can get people on the broadcast who may otherwise have not had the time or funds to make it out. And I'm thinking specifically of the subpar lads. I remember uh, Cole and Stumpy actually had an opportunity to cast a dream hack, which they were unable to attend via the B stream. So it kind of helped them get a little bit more involved, might uh, include some of those personalities that may otherwise not have been able to uh, appear.
3: Yeah, no, I I definitely agree, especially with, I know, a lot of the issues in the past with some commentators with these events and whatnot being trying to obtain visas and whatnot. It could, if, especially if we see a push for b streams to not necessarily be land focused. I could see that as a fantastic way to get more members of the community involved and uh, also reduce the costs of involved with running a b stream if you're able to do it that way. Yeah, cost, cost, cost.
2: That's going to be the big thing that you're going to see for a lot of these guys is what is what is going to be one of the ways that we can save the most money and try and fly someone out, get them lodging and stuff like that's always going to be an expensive, expensive thing to do. So uh, I I think we'll see some B streams. I mean, whether whether it's through an organization like Arrival or uh, Rocket Street or any of the other ones who have been running stuff in the other regions, I think you're going to see a bit more of that
0: uh, as we kind of go through. I think so. Like for land-related stuff, you really think Psionics is gonna?
2: If it's because are they do? Because wait, are these international? These are international majors, aren't they? Well, yeah. Eh, no, maybe those are different language streams. I'm thinking of there for like Rocket Street and stuff. I think the
3: regional ones you could maybe see it. Yeah, the regional ones are kind of more what I'm thinking.
2: I don't know.
0: I personally would love to see Psionics take a page from, like Call of Duty. The, the Call of Duty notebook, playbook, whatever, in that they, like, even for, like, the the COD World Leagues and whatever, they had B-Streams for that. And, you know, I get that Rocket League doesn't take a whole lot of time to play a best of five, but when you're doing this many majors, I mean, this is way more than they've ever done in a year, like international majors, So are they are they really trying to make these three day spectacles every time like Worlds used to be or is still, I guess, or do they want to condense it so it's not, you know, players having to come out every two or three months and stay in a place for for super long amounts of time?
2: I mean, I I don't know. I think three days is still pretty reasonable. I mean, when you compare that to stuff like League of Legends and whatnot, how like it can go for several days. I mean, Dota, the international goes on for two weeks minimum. Like and I know the international is so much different from our majors, but it's like three three days is still a pretty fast tournament in many aspects, I would say. So it's like I think you're still going to see that. I mean, at the end of the day, now that more orgs are getting in, like these players, it's not as if the
0: money's coming out of their pocket to get that lodging and everything. Right. All right. Well, we'll see. I think this is kind of one of those things where it's just Psyatics is going to have to show us, uh, you know, what the route they're going to take. But either way, DreamHack again, taking over production from NGE. And I think we're all in agreement that it's, it's going to be a good thing in general and that we're all pretty excited, looking forward to it. Um, now, let's go ahead and move on to more formatted-related stuff and how that affects the bubble scene. Uh, in particular, does the new format, and just a reminder, that's the grid with these regional majors... Uh, culminating into worlds, etc., cetera, with the whole points across all of them, uh, the, that whole crazy structure. Does that format allow bubble teams to get noticed a little bit more, or does the field change that? Like, because it is two different things. As far as we know, the field is not even related to RLCS.
2: The field is not part of RLCS 10. It's like its own separate thing that is, Uh, it's basically six man. It's a ladder system. So it's going to be like you do matches. uh, It's kind of a way for them to try and replace uh, these kind of offline scrims that you see a lot of these professional teams do or or the pro teams. And so you're going to, you're going to see that become like it. It's going to be its own separate unique
3: thing. I I don't think the field is really going to change the bubble landscape at all. Uh, I'm really curious to see how it implements because With the grid being a semi-similar system that'll be kind of coexisting except the grid is worth RLCS points and the field is not, it's going to be interesting to see how teams respond. I think one thing in specific is the field, and this is where things could really get interesting. The field could be a place where you see teams try out new members, Uh, like either subs they're thinking of bringing on or because complete roster changes you can hop into the field and play with whoever you want and it's not going to affect your rlcs like placement or point structure you can see how you feel against sort of like teams because you're it, the way it's going to be formatted is you'll be placed with teams around your skill ranking to get an idea for how you play with these players and if it works out then maybe you pick them up and you start doing grid matches and the rest of X stuff from there and i think that could be a really useful tool but as far as changing the bubble landscape uh, i'm not sure if it's going to do anything more but then just support them by having these monetary incentives for them to participate and it gives them sort of this more practice while also financially rewarding them for it
0: well that begs the question though to me do professional players take the field seriously. And if they don't, then that gives bubble players a chance, in my opinion, to rise to the top into division one. Right. And then if you have teams or, or players who have, who stick around for multiple, I don't know what they're calling them, multiple playing periods, whatever they're going to be called. You know, if there's a player that's consistently top of the division, whether it's the same you know, team or, or different teams. I feel like that gives them a little bit more recognition. Plus they get to play for more money than they normally would. um, And they don't have to qualify on one big day for rival series, for instance, but I think it begs the question. And this is something I really do want to talk about. Do pros take the field seriously, or is it just a kind of a fun thing that they can play with?
2: There's still a serious money behind going into the field as far as I remember. So I think you're going to see pros take it seriously. I mean, they take six man's fair, like kind of seriously. Like they you see a lot of pros that are in six man's. I don't see why they would treat the field any differently. In fact, I would see them treat it with higher regard because of the fact that psionics is an active part of it. Like this isn't like this is so much different from six man's where six man's is like this unique side project type thing made by some passionate people, whereas the field is like this is a Psionics sanctioned ladder this is something that you're going to see organizations take seriously i if you want to become a pro player or you are a pro player i don't see a way in which you don't take it seriously like how we kind of talked about the new gc rank like i think that the field is going to be where a lot of organizations a lot of professional teams even go to try and consider scouting other players and i think that's how you're going to see players start to try and make their rise uh And I think that they do it in a little bit better way, to be honest, because a lot of people, I mean, you've seen so many bubble players. I would I encourage you to try and find a bubble player who probably hasn't complained about six man's, because people aren't too happy with that system. And I think that and and I'm not saying that they run it badly, but there's a lot of complaints about it. And I think that you might see psionics run this one a little bit better.
1: Now, I'm not really going to say that you're wrong. Um, But I do feel like the way that the pricing is split up here uh, in Division 1, it goes down to fourth place, receiving $1,000 in first place with 3K. That is, if I recall correctly, at the end of the month. And for some pro teams, you have to—it says here you have to play at least 10 matches in a season, uh, so the one-month period, to be eligible for prizing. Um, I can't help but wonder if $3,000 is a little bit of chump change. Because if we're thinking about the earnings of players like Squishy Muffins, both from his contract and from streaming on Twitch— He's already making bank. $3,000 is pretty much chump change because he's only going to be getting 1K out of that if he's lucky because some of that's going to go to NRG probably. Some of that's going to go to Coach Ciz as well. So I I really don't feel like that's really going to be a huge incentive. I do agree, however, that running substitute players for tryouts will probably become a bit of the the norm for professional teams. However, I do wonder uh, with the one-month-long seasons, if swapping players out on the regular is really going to be allowed.
3: With sort of it being chump change, the the sort of resistance that I'll give to that is, I mean, they're already scrimming teams for free. They're already playing against these other teams in scrim-like environments like six-mans for free. So it would seem to me that if they're already going to scrim other teams and do all this other stuff with nothing on the line, it it serves to me that they would see no reason to not just if they're gonna if NRG is gonna scrim space station anyways why not just do it on the field because you do it enough and you might win a little extra money I don't think any of these players are going to be necessarily scoffing at three thousand dollars no matter how it's really split up because it's just I mean at that point free money well and the other thing to piggyback off of what you're
2: saying so is the fact of so many teams participated in the Astro tournaments for a1,000 dollars.
0: But that's a weekend.
2: Yeah, but still like these like he's saying though, like they just do like instead of playing your your offline game for scrims for free, do this in hopes of it getting you some points and putting you into that point and then it's just like, hey, that's a weekend tournament. I mean, instead of using these offline scrims, they just take their scrims to the field. That's what that's what that's what we're saying is the field is going to become the place where these guys go to get their scrims in.
3: Just to clarify real quick, I think the thing with the Beyond Star Circuit, it's a little bit of a different situation because it's a one day qualifier. I'm not talking about the Star Circuit. I'm
2: just talking about their regular tournaments they used to do before the Star Circuit.
3: Oh, okay, Yeah, those. Yeah. yeah, okay, I I see where you're coming from. Yeah,
2: those were only thousand dollar tournaments like for two thousand more dollars. Like they'll be willing to put in a little bit of time for this, I think.
0: I don't agree with that. I don't think they will. I mean, we've seen pro players turn down thousands of dollars in tournaments just because they didn't feel like playing in them. I feel like the field is going to be great for the bubble scene. I feel like a lot of bubble players will take it seriously because it's a chance to play for money and it's a chance to, you know rise through the the ladder of teams and potentially get signed by an org if you're at the top of the field for a while i just i don't see with the way that the promo and relegation works i don't see pro teams necessarily taking it seriously enough to where they are using it all the time and they're actively playing i mean you say they can replace scrims by just playing in the field but as far as I'm aware, that's not quite how it works. You can't just challenge teams to play against you enter the queue and then you get paired up against whomever it is that you get queued against. And I'm not saying that, you know, playing space station is going to be, you know, any different than playing NRG. If you're rogue, like you still want to play either one of them, but at the same time, you know, these are, it's a best of five, you know, you, you've got more on the line for that. Like you've got these points. You're trying to take it seriously. There's, you know, there's not so much of the, you know, trying new and different things, because again, you have to remember that the field has these promo and relegation things that happen pretty frequently, like the bottom two of the top division, as I think that's how it works. It might be different. They might change it before it starts. But as far as I was aware, The bottom two of division one gets pretty much swapped for the top two of division two. Could you imagine a team like rogue dropping into division two and having to play against bubble teams the entire month? They're not going to want to do that.
2: But to be honest though, if it like, if it is for this lesser amount of money and it doesn't actually partake in part of RLCS 10, I think that they do it because at the end of the day, these teams are going to have to start getting used to these bubble teams. They can't, there's not going to be there's going to be a point where they can't ignore these guys anymore. They're going to have to start taking a lot of these teams more seriously. And I think that that's going to be part of where you see it. But the other part of what you're saying, though, is just the fact of, yeah, they can't exactly just go in and say like, oh, we're going to play Space Station. But they can agree like, hey, we're all going to start queuing at this time. If anybody is looking to get scrims in, this is the time to do it. We ha- How many times have you seen a Twitter post about? pros being like oh don't you just hate it when people don't show up for scrims like they hate scrims they complain about it all the time and i think that that i think the field is going to be a place where it's like they can just go and just say like and announce it to each other be like hey we're all gonna go we're gonna go and we're gonna start queuing at this time if anybody's looking to get some matches in and everything come find us and the other thing too of what you're saying is teams are going to take it more seriously because there's actually something on the line they don't take scrims as seriously because they know there's nothing to it at the end of the day. And so, yeah, you may see them try some new things, which is great. It helps you develop as a team. But at the end of the day, you're not getting the you're not going to rogue going into a scrim with energy in scrims like they're not getting the real energy. They're they're getting practice energy.
0: I just don't see how it varies. I don't see the difference and just to clarify, as far as the queuing system goes, and again, this is just base knowledge that I have. I don't know if there, if it's ever been explained or if it's...
2: It hasn't been fully fleshed out to the public yet, I believe.
0: All I know is that the, the way that the queuing system works is not the way that you think it would be, where you can just queue whenever you want. Like, there are set times for queuing. And... Um, it's to promote competition. So people can't just, you know, queue at the most random hours and just keep beating the same team over and over again. But, um, I don't, I just, I don't see it. I see the bubble teams or rival series teams or teams that are just outside the bubble. Any GC player that has any aspirations of playing this game at a high level, I see them using the field all the time almost like Game Battles was back in the day. That's what we did when you wanted to play high-level stuff. I don't see people who are already there, especially when you have weekly stuff like The Grid and whatever. Why would you ever? I, I just, I don't see them taking it seriously. And I think it's, it's going to, to simultaneously hurt the way that the field wants to run, but also help the bubble scene.
2: I'll make my last point on this, and then we can move on to the next one. So we're, so we're talking about the grid. The grid is going to be those weekly tournaments that you see a lot of these RLCS teams playing in. You're also going to see a lot of bubble teams playing in it. How many times have you seen pros complain about the fact that they feel these open tournaments are unfair because they are going up against teams that they know nothing about? The field is going to be a place where they can learn more about these other teams. And I think that if you're if you're honestly trying to stay at the top of it, you take the field seriously. We'll, we'll find out who's right and who's wrong in this. But between the prize money, the ability to learn about a lot of these other teams and kind of see what the meta is for bubble teams. So you can come up with a way to counter them when you go into tournaments like the grid. I think that that is a huge plus for pro teams. And I think if you don't take advantage of it, like you're crazy, in my opinion, if I was a pro player, like I'm taking it seriously.
1: Uh just just a quick timeout. Uh you you sorry, you were talking about the meta?
2: What?
3: Yeah, I heard that as well.
1: I uh, okay, just making sure I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not missing out on something here.
2: Well, oh, f- uh, whatever. Meta, meta. I don't care.
1: All right. Uh anyways, continue.
2: I mean, I'm done. I said I made my point.
1: <laughs> he made uh, his point.
0: Okay. All right, let's oh, move god. on quickly to the next topic. Oh god. Uh so All of this regular content, we just talked about the grid being every week and, of course, with uh, the field being size-sponsored, regionals and worlds, what have you, what does all of that mean for the already struggling community organizations? It's such a difficult situation because I think it really depends
3: on the type of community org that you are. Yeah, I I think a lot of these, these tournament orgs that run weeklies for smaller prize pools are going to be hit super hard by a lot of the decisions that are being made just because i think with the introduction of the field the grid all of the other games these majors like all of that it's just going to be driving the viewership there which i mean that's what psionics wants but on the other side of the coin a lot of these community orgs i feel are going to get kind of left in the dust a little bit depending on how they're structured
1: Well, I think uh, one thing we should also touch on is that the field, Division 3, from what we know, does not have a team cap. And that's open to anybody who's in Grand Champion. That means that if a team of three GCs, for instance, if you're somewhere in like the 19 to 2000 range and you're not quite making it to Division 2 of the field, they might try to spend most of their time not investing in these small community tournaments. So you might start to see lower and lower turnouts as time goes on. And uh, of course... You know, people try to scrape together what money they can. Uh, they, they try to put out as much money as they can for the prize pool without reasonably going bankrupt. And that might just not be as attractive for those players as trying to place first in even Division Three of the field. All the way down to eighth place is $100 of a prize. And the opportunity to promote, as we mentioned, get that experience against those other uh, top teams. You might see some teams come down from Division 2, which is, v- again, valuable experience. And that's on a completely regular basis. Like we said, there's plenty of queue times. You can go for it basically whenever you want. I feel like that's going to pose much more valuable to some of these players than some of these community tournaments that rely on that GC community who are desperately looking for experience.
2: I'm I'm going to go ahead and say it. I declare weekly tournament organizers we are dead. Um, being being one myself and playing with rockets like we're already seeing the hits from this to be totally honest with you like looking at our participant numbers uh we're getting less and less and like we offer a 50 dollars price well it's not like it's a glorious price well but it's something and uh it took us a while before we got to the point where we we're able to consistently offer that um but you're you're gonna see less and less come out to play in our tournaments and uh it's unfortunate but i mean it's also it's also kind of the way that things go you've seen plenty of Weekly tournament organizers go by the wayside. Uh, you've seen it in Nexus. You've seen it in Mythical. You've seen it in Boost Legacy. Um, and if if those guys can fall, then you know realistically, any anybody who comes after them can fall as well because they were in the heyday of community organizations. Um, and so I I mean I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna be surprised if you kind of see weekly tournaments die out ultimately. Some of the organizations may try to continue on and do. Uh, something along the lines of like uh, Sleagy's organization MLE and do something different but I, weekly tournaments are probably not going to be as glamorous to a lot of people
0: honestly it's the sad part of the whole of just everything that has happened through Psionics, and it feels like it's not warranted it feels like these organizations were the backbone of the community and they just got left in the dust when the game took off and I I hate to say that, but that's what it feels like. I, I remember starting casting in Rocket League, and that was the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to cast for the big four, right? That was what, you know, we wanted to do. You wanted to cast for Boost Legacy, Mythical uh for Rival Esports, and um who am I forgetting? Nexus. Nexus, right. And luckily, I've been given opportunities to do all of that but in very small amounts because they never they don't have money anymore They they don't have the drive to do anything because nobody is supporting them psionics is not supporting them the bubble scene is not supporting them and in general it just seems like nobody cares which is the the unfortunate part of of everything because you know i it was one of the things i was most disappointed in seeing when sonics announced their new rlcs format and that they're taking over all the weekly stuff and and whatever and it just instead of helping the community orgs that have been there and doing it for as long as they have been they just decided nope we're going to be the community org now and it just i, I don't know it's frustrating as somebody who's been in the community for as long as I have.
1: I think the the problem that psionics are having right now is that they want to support the community. And we kind of touched on this in the last episode, but... Psydux has always been for the community. That's why they do this in the first place. But they have to weigh their options. They can either let the communities run the tournaments and not get, you know, the viewership numbers, be able to represent that to sponsors and say like, hey, here's our viewership numbers and here's all the things that we do with esports. So they can either uh, take that route and stay small or the route that they've already taken, which is try to compromise with the community and still try to provide avenues for those organizations, but also kind of starting to monopolize a little bit and kind of letting the trickle down happen, which I think, honestly, they've done a pretty good job. You know, weekly, uh, weeklies and uh, monthlies had died out for a long time, and I'm thinking back uh, before – a little bit before the Renegade Cup started back there in 2018 – Everybody, you and I, and honestly all of us here, we had that epiphany of like, oh my god, the community orgs are going to die. And I know for, for a fact, I think Mythical really got hit incredibly hard. I know Mystery, uh, he has run it for a while. I think technically he's still technically in charge. He he had a bit of a hard time with it, you know, back when the Renegade Cup was happening. He worked his ass off trying to make Mythical look good so we could get a Renegade Cup monthly. And that's the exact reason why I ever got a prominent role in Rocket League. I did well during the finals. They invited me out to the Renegade Cup. I got on the rival series for one season and then I tanked out. But that's only part of the story, you know? I got my recognition from the hard work that he did. But... Mythical was so understaffed at that point because they just did not have that motivation. And we're finding ourselves in that spot again where uh, they are lacking that motivation. And Psyonix, like I said, they did the Renegade Cup. They tried to make a push to the community back then. They did it again here where they did sponsor some content for the community. But I think the issue that some of us had with that is that we only really saw some of that money going to actual, quote-unquote, community members. Lethemir, Lawler, and Johnny Boy, I think to us, and Beyond the Summit... That hardly counts as community. Those guys are already beyond the summit. Is far from
2: community. That is another organization. They are not a part of the community. It's a cool event. I love what Beyond the Summit does, but they are not the community. And if you think that they are, like I, you're, I just, yeah, you're wrong. At the end of the day, they are not the community. They have not been here as long as a lot of these other people have been, and it sucks. That like that was, it sucks that it was like. They, i'm happy every time there's a bts thing but it's like it also kind of sucked that it was like they got the money over these people who've been grinding it week in and week out to try and bring
3: content to the community and here's the thing as well with that is i feel like there was a disconnect in what different people see as community tournaments um because what we sort of saw in that month of june was community members running tournaments for RLCS yep. teams. That's what that's what it was. It was yep. RLCS, a couple of bubble teams. They were exactly. being run by Lawler, by Lethemir, by Dazarin. and but it was for these high-end teams. And the vacuum that current weekly tournament organizers sort of fill is those potentially those lower end bubble teams and just normal people putting together three man teams to try and compete. For this money and the what I'm worried about and I think it's shared by from what you guys have been talking about is with the introduction of the field and with how RLCS X is being formatted there's no reason for those people to go to weekly run community tournaments anymore when they should and I mean I say should unfortunately. Be spending their time in the field. If you are a team that is trying to get into the bubble, you need to be spamming the field. If you're a bubble team trying to make it to that next level in RLCSX, you need to be spamming the field. And if you're a top team, you're going to be looking at the field. But it's really no one at this point looking at these smaller tournament organizers. And it's such a shame because that these places, like Hunted was mentioning, is where people like commentators, people like tournament administrators, broadcasters, admins, producers, mixers, editors, graphics artists, all of these people that are the backbone of so many of these organizations that have gone on to get bigger and better things in the Rocket League scene. I mean, Achieves, for instance, uh, started casting in minor league esports is, in my opinion, the best caster in RLCS right now. And, If these sorts of avenues for people to try and build their skill, not even just on the player, but on the back end, With all of the support staff that goes into running these tournaments, it's going to massively limit anyone who might be sitting there playing like, wow, this Rocket League is cool. I'd like to be involved in the production. And then they look, and there's nothing. It's a barren wasteland of dead organizers who couldn't support the funds because all of the attention was directed away. And I'm not saying that this is the fault of Psyonix. I really love the field. I'm glad that it's official support, but it is... Just a little disheartening to see this happen because having that reduction of opportunity for these sorts of people who are trying to get into the scene, it's just sad because I I try and think about it if when i was starting with places like minor league esports with crimson wings gaming all these smaller tournament organizers that i mean they gave me a chance cuz they were smaller like yeah, hey, we got 30 40 viewers we uh, there's not it's not high stakes and you're able to build experience if that kind of stuff is gone we're we're potentially missing out on the next Achieves, on the next Jorby, on the next big person, the next Lucas, the uh, broadcasters, whatever you want, their opportunities aren't going to be there. They're not going to be given the time to gain that experience. And you're going to see a reduction of talented people in this scene. And that could be really bad for the long term vision because some people are eventually going to get bored and move on. And who are you going to find to replace them? You're going to start pulling from the outside, and that just is not, in my opinion, the optimal way for this scene to really push forward, and it has me at least a little bit concerned. Everything that you just
0: said very loaded, and probably could fill up a whole second episode if we wanted to discuss all of it. And, and you know, I, I agree probably. with you. I think all of us share the sen- sentiment in that, you know, we are, honestly, I consider the, the four of us rather lucky to have gotten in at the time that we did compared to now. I feel bad for any new commentators who have any lick of talent that want to join these organizations because good luck. Yeah. Where, what are you going to do? How it's are so you so much harder? I just, it's, it's crazy. And, and I, I agree with you and you know, you say that you don't fault psionics, but how, much have we been asking for any kind of monetary help and then they go out and and they have a community month that doesn't help the community like it's i mean let's be frank about it as much as people and people listening to this i guarantee you they don't there there will be those that don't know and it might just sound like we're just a But this June was great. It was fun. There was a lot of cool stuff. But it did jack for this community. I want to provide
3: at least a little bit of light. I don't think that, like, I don't think we're going to see community organizers just completely die altogether. I think this sort of move really is focused on those weekly tournament bracketed Uh, sort of organizers. I still think the sort of the league format style that other organizers use, such as MLE, where I'm at, or even others like Indie Gaming League or United Rogue or Rocket Soccer Confederation, those sorts of places still have that sort of niche just because they give people the opportunity at sort of any skill level to try and jump in and play. And then because of that, they're getting those people. It's opportunities for production people to get in. But I, I really feel like the loss of these weekly tournaments, those are where that was the stepping stone, right? In between the lower league level stuff to higher competitive, like trying to see RLCS and uh, R- rival series teams. And that stepping stone being gone, it's just unfortunate. Well, it sucks because it's
2: like, I mean, uh, Alpine Esports, like with Percy and them, like they came up through weekly tournaments like they're one of those teams like they grinded out weekly tournaments and it's just like we've seen many we've seen many many teams uh go into those higher leagues and stuff through those weekly tournaments because they're just grinders they just do that and like they learn from it going into those tournament formats consistently and so uh i mean per like as a personal aside, like it's just it kind of sucks to watch just because uh like, this was one of those things that I was like, it was my baby. I built it. And um, to know that it's it's like it's like end of life is pretty near kind of sucks because it's like whenever whenever I finally get to a point where it's not we're not getting viewers, we're not getting enough participants to really justify trying to keep putting out that amount of money, uh, you you kind of think to yourself, well, it might just be easier to close a close down shop because. I, I don't need to transition playing with rockets into another league thing. Like there's that space is already filled in my opinion, um, between MLE United rogue socket, rocker, uh, socket, uh, soccer, rocket car confederation, whatever it is, uh, rocket hockey league, hoops, like all the other venues are kind of filled at this point. And so the unfortunate side to it is you're going to see a lot of those weekly organizers, uh, They'll, they'll keep plugging along and they'll just be fine with, you know, the lower and lower levels of competition, or you're just going to see them call it a day, which I mean, it's
0: unfortunate. Well, if there are no final thoughts, I I mean, I know that this, this topic in particular, like I said, is something that we could probably make multiple episodes podcasts about. Uh, I mean, it's, it's near and dear to our hearts. And, and, you know, again, I just, to anybody listening that doesn't know, I just want to make sure that we're clear that we may sound harsh and it may sound doom and gloom from us, but it's only because this has been what we have done. Like this has been our, our lives for years, for some of us. Five years. Exactly.
2: Well, this is how we got to where we are. Yeah. Like that's, our, that's your roots and it's like it sucks to see that go away.
0: And to see that crumbling before our eyes, it's uh, it it's very difficult to watch. And it's it, you know, it makes us frustrated, angry, and upset. And um, you know, this is the the platform that we want to use to express those emotions.
1: For anybody who's having trouble visualizing it, if you've ever played Mario, it's like when you have to jump off of Yoshi to get to the next ledge. It's kind of what it's like.
0: <laughs> it's you're you're
3: accurate. You're accurate. That is an apt comparison.
1: We're already safe up here, you know, like I'm with, we're all with CCA and you guys are with Rival. It's like, we're already safe, but we're watching the the foundation crumble beneath us.
3: Yeah. And it's just like,
0: I wish we could find a way to save Yoshi. Yep. I'm just going to leave it there because we do have uh, an interview. I got a chance to sit down uh, with Coach McLando. If you don't know McLando, he's a content creator. He's... A coach for valence and uh, we got to have a thoroughly interesting discussion on what the new format means uh, not just for bubble scenes but for coaches of bubble teams make sure that uh, you listen in it's an awesome interview and check it out so mr mclando here with me how are you doing sir doing quite well uh i mean today would be uh on re- when
4: we're recording on a saturday so i actually get a day off of <laughs> all this craziness but yeah i'm doing well
0: well hey man you're not just a content creator in rocket league anymore i mean you're you're coach mclando now you're coaching yeah, for yeah. uh the valence boys who was who were playing uh today i believe in the bts uh summer stuff is that right well, we, we played in the qualifiers, but uh, as far as everything that goes
4: forward, yeah, we didn't, we didn't quite make the cut, <sighs> yeah, unfortunately. But we were, we were getting close to making day two of the quals, but unfortunately Alpine gave us a game five dagger
0: on <laughs> on the end of day one. I mean, that's Rocket League for you. It you feels yeah. like you've come so close. <laughs> Why? Well, again, it's, that's Rocket League, man. It's a game of inches, I swear to God want to make sure everybody knows you have been around in the coaching scene for a little while now. Um, Valence, not your first coaching gig, certainly. So be my third one, yeah. Uh,
4: after Strong Boy, after Monkey Business.
0: Right. I, I mean, I remember the good old Monkey Business days. That was a lot of fun. That was a yep. fun <laughs> team to watch Um <laughs>
4: Uh, the last
0: RS season. <laughs> no longer. It is no longer a thing, and now I don't know how to feel about well, it. <laughs> you're going to have to sort out your feelings, because that's what we're about to talk about. In, a, in a Oh, second. dang. <laughs> so, uh, quickly, for Valence, it's Rodoko, Kinsei, J-Ross, and I think Flitz is the sub, if I'm right. Okay. Yes. That is spot on. You've done your studying. You would say that they are a, quote, bubble team at this point. If we had rival series... I think we could both consider them a rival series team. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, Rodoko and Kensei qualified from last season. j qualified
4: from last season with Mirage, and then he switched rosters over to us. So
0: we have a veteran team currently that would be proven in the the rival series. Well, so that's an interesting point, too, because you you can certainly make the case that uh, they are a squad that could potentially look for one of those spots if the format was the same to move up from right from rival series into rlcs so i mean this is why we wanted to talk to you because i feel like your team in particular is in a very interesting spot Mm -hmm. just really what i'd like to know is how do you think this format changes things for your team specifically do you feel like it hurts them or that it could help you in the future that's a really good question
4: because I've talked to so many people about how this format is going to be changing things and how, you know, what was once safe is no longer. But where you lose guarantee, you all of a sudden understand something that hard work is now is what is the factor of what you win games or not. It's not the spot you were put in. It's if you get there, you got to climb your way up. And it's it's showing that these teams that, you know, have had this talent. You're seeing these teams that weren't even in rival series performing super well all of a sudden. I mean, it's the guys who are out there working right now, and that—that's I honestly,
0: it depends on if we're going to be able to rise up to the challenge this season. I think that's it's the biggest thing too, is that it's no longer about safety, right? I mean, you you qualify for rival series, and that's a big thing on the day, right? And that that could make or break mm-hmm. people's careers. But you kind of get that safety net of, hey, I'm in the rival series this season. It's not like that anymore. Does it? Does it feel that way right. with your with your squad? Well, I mean, it's weird because you
4: can go straight to the top if you work hard enough. I mean, sure. I imagine if this format was around way back when, when when Justin was on out of style, I mean, that team would have made RLCS mm-hmm. land probably. Um, just just from the sheer workload that that guy was putting in, just just from Justin alone, like the amount he he was ready to play at that high level, but. He had that barrier he had to go through. So he had a six-month time where he just couldn't do it because there was this barrier. And now that barrier is broken. I mean, whoever is putting in the time to get good is going to succeed. So uh, for the upcoming season, I mean, we have 13 days until roster lock. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're facing a big challenge here. But um, with most of the stuff starting up in August, that gives us about a month, I think we will rise to the challenge. It just depends on if everybody's going to synergize, if everybody's going to work
0: hard, and if we can do it. Well, see, that, that also brings up another interesting question that we had, too, is with Rival Series out the window now, and you've got things like the field and the grid moving forward, does right, that yeah. allow bubble players to gain the exposure that they used to by being able to play in the Rival Series? Or do you think it's actually going to hurt some of these players in getting out in the community?
4: Well, I still see this old mentality where it's like, you know, uh, a team that was not projected to win gets a a few very large upsets and they're still not very much respected in the next tournament and they do it again. Um, We're seeing more consistency from bubble teams. And I I just honestly think it just comes down to the fact that they want it more. (laughs) Honestly, there's also less pressure on these teams coming up. Uh, When you're expected to win and you start losing, you, you tend to loosen your grip a bit. Whereas you know, if you're projected to lose and you start winning, I mean, you know, full steam ahead. It, there's there's a big swing for these teams when they start winning and gaining momentum. So when you have kind of, it, it's weird, but when the crowd isn't with you, it's it's like a, I don't know, it's not it's not a positive, but it's kind of like a, a unique sure. angle
0: on things. I mean, don't sleep with the, don't sleep on the peeps, not with the peeps. Don't yeah, sleep. and you know, we're seeing some peep uh, stories coming exactly. Up here. Exactly. I mean, we even discussed that in our in the last episode of our of our podcast was. It gives these teams like the old peeps, or uh, for the love, of, for the life of me, I can't remember the the Europe team or Echo Zulu team Echo Zulu. That's who it was. Yes, mm-hmm. it gives them an opportunity to surprise some people, which is pretty cool, and, and you know potentially win a decent amount of of at least respect or even money in in some of these events. Right. So, uh, pretty interesting now. Uh, as as a coach you've you've worked with a number of players over your tenure right um and you mm-hmm. know you know the volatility of the bubble scene when it comes to team chem or not team chemistry but roster changes and stuff like that roster changes <laughs> right oh <man>. how does <laughs> this does it does this new format it help with that or does it make it worse
4: well, I mean, we're gonna see a worse portion here for a bit. I mean, everybody is just trying to figure stuff out for the next year. I mean, you didn't expect uh, you didn't expect energy to lose to turbo at all. Like mm-hmm. that, that was that was such a blindside to me. And you know, uh, for somebody who's in the scene daily, it's just I'm constantly surprised. It's just crazy. Um, just seems like every day I wake up to like a new roster change. Uh, but I do think once the season gets going, it's gonna be a little bit more stable. Uh, We are going to see teams, though, and this is the unfortunate part, that kind of rushed changes before the season, and they don't like them, and then they're kind of stuck until the first trading spot, and then we're going to see a big uh, roster change again, but at least it'll be more predictable because there'll be dates, so I, I like the way that they put that you have to have certain dates for trade stuff, otherwise you forfeit things as far as like points for LAN and majors and all that. Right. Yeah, it's just more beneficial to stick together. And, and yeah, honestly, if you, if you have slight doubts, it's better to work through them than to just change it all, uh, unless it's something like very crippling for the team. I feel like in today's Rocket League scene, people tend to change before they got to the cripple part. Sure. Where it was just like, uh, the team was not dead in the water. Why are we changing things? I felt like that was kind of the standpoint for a lot of teams
0: pretty prematurely sure and i think your team kind of sits an interesting spot in that they have Mm -hmm. the talent to win a lot of these events or or to at least push their way into top spots and specifically like the field and the grid they can make an impact in those areas um now there's some teams some bubble teams out there that we can't really say the same for do they switch rosters frequently trying to find something that sticks and gets them points? Or or do they ride that out until the, you know, like you said, the trading time? That's kind of my concern is that it's yeah. going to make it worse <laughs> for the lower half of the bubble scene, if you will.
4: Yeah, and you know, what we're seeing here is that they're just trying... Honestly, this is catering more to the upper side of the scene, for sure. Um, It's going to be very hard for bubble teams to rise to the occasion multiple times. Uh, Upsets don't happen all the time. That's why they're so exciting. They're so hype, is because they happen every now and then. Um, For you to link these up to be able to get to the next part is very difficult, but... I honestly can tell you that there are bubble teams that are gonna do it. They're going to get repetitive results and it's gonna be insane. And I think that this new format is really gonna help them. There's gonna I I the the majority of bubble teams are gonna fail. That's just that's just how sure. it is. The uh, the majority will will fall down by the wayside, but there's a few that'll rise up to the occasion and time and time again prove that seeding was wrong. We're working harder than you think, you know. At, at least how these tournaments are set up. It's gonna be trial by fire, and the best ones are gonna
0: be the ones emerging. Well, no, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. And uh, it's exciting. I think this is probably the most excited the group of us have been about Rocket League in a while <laughs> purely because of, like you said, it's, I mean, we have watched the bubble scene for how long now? I mean, we know the ins and outs of the the scene, it feels, right, and yeah. now they finally kind of get that opportunity to play their way in. But um, quickly, just to, to wrap things up, I got a couple more questions for you and I'll let you go. Yeah, of course. So, former rival series or not rival series teams, uh, champion league teams, RLCS teams, um, and even the higher level rival series teams, which I think we could even argue Valence is, or I guess technically was, do they need to start expanding their horizons when it comes to scrims? Like, does NRG need to start mixing it up with these bubble teams to get ready for some of these events? This is a very good question because, like, I feel, at least lately, a lot of
4: RLCS teams particularly have been gotten off guard. Just was not expecting that on the field. What what was that? We just got beat by, you know, a quote-unquote rank A team. Why why did that happen? We're, We're professionals. Why These guys, you know, they're stuck in a certain rank and they just destroyed us. How did that happen? You weren't prepared. So branching out, you don't want to put all your focus on it, obviously, but every now and then, I mean, you change it up. It gives you experience. I honestly think these scrims coming forward, you need to be going against teams that are you're going to be playing against regardless. I mean, um, even though if you see them as not as much of a threat, like we've seen multiple times where they have been. <laughs> So that's, that's enough for me to, to be a little bit scared about it. Um, even, even from a rival series standpoint, like teams are hungry down there. They, they want to come up and they want to make sure that they're on top.
0: So, uh, how are you going to beat that? You got to learn. It makes perfect sense to me. And again, really looking forward to some of the matchups we're going to be seeing uh, in, in a short mm-hmm. while. <laughs> um, yeah, so hard. more on the coaching side for you with the way that the yeah. format has changed, Does it change anything? Does it change your mentality going into actually coaching and working with these guys? Yeah, I mean, before it was like, here's your schedule. Uh,
4: here are the teams you will be playing. Uh, this is your week. Uh, it's now week three. You are playing this team. You have, you know, however much time to prepare for them. i watch replays on one team and get ready for that. Now it's like, hey, uh, you got to make a run against three really good teams. I'm just like, oh, my God. Okay, so I have to somehow triple my workload for that. No, what I do is I, I branch out and make sure that we are properly prepared for everybody, um, as opposed to really hyper-focusing on one but you know i felt like those games you couldn't really tell the work behind them in rival series uh at least as far as from a coaching standpoint because you have to get ready for one team that's three players there's there's some tells in there it's kind of like i don't know people people would say it's it's similar to poker where you know you think you're just playing cards the whole time but there's tells and you can tell what's going on if you if you know what you're looking for so um, that has been thrown out the window. I am now more on a general basis just touching up on teams as opposed to players. And, yeah, it's a lot more complicated. <laughs> I assume like in a land environment, it would be better because I would have to actually plan my my game plan for the day, right? As opposed to like this team is in two hours. this next team is in three hours, and then one after that in five, and then possibly a seventh hour later. Right. <laughs> I don't really want to prep for that seven hour team, but I know I do. <laughs> Especially after three three other ones, um but yeah, uh, it changes it up for me i'm willing to I'm willing to put the work in obviously um not not trying to slink on my duties, but it they they the new format requires more, and that's totally fine i want I want the best gameplay possible well triple the triple the
0: amount of work, triple the pay right <laughs> <laughs> triple zero <is> still zero <laughs> that kind of leads to just a, another quick follow-up question, yeah, of course. So does that change? I mean, you said that you, you prepare for teams in the rival yeah. series, and that's certainly, mm-hmm. you know, an importance. And and now that you're switching focus, are you more going to be inward towards your coaching? And so you're just focused purely on this is what you guys are struggling on or, or this is what we can work yep. on instead of reactionary stuff of like this is how we get an edge on so-and-so team.
4: Well, I mean, you want a game plan going in. You don't want to just I, – I, I, there are teams that don't do game plan. That's totally fine. But you want to know what to do as far as like a fallback because nothing sucks more than going down two games and be like, what the hell do I do right. in game three? Um, I got to reverse sweep this team. What do I do? I, I feel like having that plan to kind of push back on. If you need it, it's great. If not, then, you know, at least it was there in case. It's kind of like, like a fire extinguisher, you know? Um, obviously, you want to be more reactionary. I'm not trying to... You, you don't want to tell the artists what to do. You want to let them create obviously. But if you're noticing some angles that aren't, aren't keeping up, you want to, you want to help them with it. So that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm kind of in the, in the foreground, making sure everything's going good while the artists do what they do, what I cannot.
0: Man, somebody make sure that uh, we remember to bring McLando back on when we need more coaching tips, because this has been uh, quite the interview. And I've got one more question because he would probably kill me if I didn't ask you this. What do you think of Cloud9's exit? And do you agree with their decision?
4: oh c9 i i mean i i remember them joining and i was so happy about it i i it's similar to how i feel about liquid joining you know it's it's such a big org bringing so much so much fan base so much love so much competition um i understand why they're leaving because you know you, you take a roster that's you know, won championships and it's been borderline losing out on pro spots on tournaments. And, you know, I, I respect their decision. And honestly, the way they capped it out was saying that we might be back. I, I, I get that, you know, they, they want to, they want to know their worth. So as a, as an org as high up as C9, I totally understand the decision. Uh, not upset about it at
0: all. Well, it's a good, uh, certainly a good outlook to have from coach Mclando and, and, Again, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you for the interview. And of course, you know, go ahead, give shout outs to to your social media, stuff like that. Because we, again, really appreciate you, sir.
4: Yeah, uh, you can find me at McLando. I have an underscore on Twitch and it's going to get confusing. Uh, (laughs) On Twitter, it does not have an underscore, but has Twitch at the the end. Uh, Yeah, uh, it's going to be hard to find, but just McLando. You'll probably find me if you type it in Google or something. Uh, I'll pop up there.
0: Well, sir, again, thank you so much for the uh, for your time, and I look forward to talking to you again. Of course, many many
4: more days of Rock League ahead of us. There's going to be great things, so there'll be a lot to talk about.
0: McLando again, some very wise words from him. Uh, so thankful to have him on the podcast. Big shout outs to McLando. I will say, Lando. you know, going into that interview with McLando. I wanted to keep it as brief as possible, but he's so good at doing these interviews that it just it went a little bit longer than I think I would have wanted. But anyway, either way, a big shout out to McLando. Now let's let's kind of talk about what he what he was talking about there towards the end. Is how do the rivals or the champion series RLCs teams prepare for those inevitable bubble slash rival series teams? runs in majors or in in the regionals things like that how does an rlcs team prepare for the number of bubble teams that may make a run got two words for you the field
3: (laughs) yeah i was gonna say the same thing i think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier the field that's gonna be massive for not only scouting but trying to figure out how these teams play and how to rip them apart, to be 100% honest with you.
1: Although I do agree with you guys, I feel like it's going to be more... uh, We're kind of leaning towards the side, which I I think we're actually going to touch on this a little bit later. But rival series teams and bubble teams, they're going to show up a bit unexpectedly. We've seen it in the past before. Uh, I think we're kind of we're kind of more leaning towards that. So what if they're not in the same division of the of the field? Are they gonna to have to try and go for outside scrims? Do you think they're even going to give them that kind of credit? That's the kind of stance that I'm taking on it here. And I think that uh RLCS teams are gonna to have to start doing a lot more homework than they used to. Uh unless they want to get overthrown by some up-and-coming roster of three that uh, surprise have like the best chemistry you've ever seen. I'm thinking of like Porklet from rank B of six bands who made it into the rival series just out of nowhere.
0: Well, I was just saying that that's one of the main points that McLando made, just in general, is that no longer, if you're a rival series team or, or an RLCS team, no longer are you preparing for a game a week. You know, you're not playing NRG this week, so you got to prepare for NRG. You could be playing a whole host of teams in the grid this week, and you don't know who exactly it's going to be until you get there. So it starts becoming a bit more focused on making sure that your team is prepared as a whole and like they have their own kind of game plan, but, you know, being quick to react and, and uh, you know, change things up on the go where things start to kind of break down against other teams.
2: The other thing too, is I think this is where you start to see coaches get to play a bit more of a role it's your, your players aren't always gonna be the ones who you're expecting to go do that homework. It's gonna be the coach who goes and does the research and then presents it to the team and says, Hey, this is what we're seeing from a lot of these teams. This is the type of play that you need to start preparing for. Um, And then here's, here's my input on some counter strategies. Let's dissect this and workshop this a bit more. That's that in all honesty is the thing I'm most excited about is to see coaches try to play more of a role in all this. And, it's, it, it is it going to be more about doing your homework and stuff, but it's also going to be about a lot of these teams just finding a level of consistency. Whether you're facing Energy, Rogue, or Omelette, or some unknown bubble team, you need to be able to play at the same level you play at, no matter who it is. And I think that this, that's a difficulty for a lot of these guys. Uh, I actually like that you bring that up, Ryan, because uh, if we do think back on the past,
1: you know, science were just starting to get coaches more involved in the previous seasons of RLCS.
2: Yeah, and I th- I think this is going to be the spot where you get to see them really start to come in and shine, and they're they're able to play more of that role. Because I mean, are you really going to expect Turbo to sit here and do the research on this unknown group of bubble teams that are putting out pretty decent results in the field? Probably not. Like you, you would you would leave that to whoever the coach is to kind of take that on and do do the grunt work, if you will. Uh, 'Cause it's it's not the glamorous work. It's not the work that a lot of people are gonna want to do. And so it's easy it's also easy just to like off put that to one person. Naturally, it's gonna be the coach.
0: Yeah, but you're getting paid to do that. Like it's his job. I, I no, I'm exactly. talking about turbo. Like it's his job to win Rocket League games, dude. No, no, no. It is his job, but at the same time, like that's turbo. I think it's
2: gonna I think it's gonna be the coach who needs to go compile the research and come back to the team and be like, hey, this is what we're seeing in these bubble teams is what we're seeing from the rival series teams uh you need to start preparing for this then they go in like they're they're basically taking the baton pass off from the coach and then doing their leg of the race that's how i see it
0: honestly i could see i could see the role of the coach growing and you know you you often have coaches that are also team managers i think we We'll probably start to see a little bit less of that and more of coaches being coaches. And I would not be surprised if you start to see assistant coaches and things because of how much the workload a one specific coach has now on their shoulders. I mean, again, I, you know, I, I, I hate to, to be the mouthpiece for McLando, but that's what he was saying is that it's it's just more work for him now because there's less there are, there's so much more you have to think about and consider going into a week than just playing against one team and how you're going to play against them for five games. So I, I honestly, I think it's going to open up some opportunities for people who, you know, I mean, we've got a resident coach squid on our, on our podcast. I think honestly, if squid was really interested in finding a coaching position somewhere, I would not be surprised if assistant coaching jobs or things like that opens up for larger teams that you can then leverage into better coaching jobs in the future. And, you know, that's that's pretty cool if you want to be a Rocket League coach because they're going to be needed.
1: I'll have to put that in my notes. Thanks, Hunted. But uh, while while we're on the topic, though, <laughs> uh, shout out to Luke Ash. New uh, As of six hours ago, uh, as of this recording, six hours ago, he's a team liquid team manager. So big shout outs there. Well done deserved
3: yeah no for real i mean he was essentially team liquid up to this point so i mean it it only feels right
1: yeah yeah that's a good point i remember we were always asking him like hey lucas when are you gonna bring in team liquid or sorry lucash well when you gonna bring in team liquid we memed about it for a long time and then it actually happened and we were all a little bit confused
0: (laughs) well i mean now Liquipedia, man, what's going to happen to that? Now he's going to be too busy. That's actually a
1: good point. He's going to be managing the team, and we talked about in the last episode how much more he's going to have to be updating it. Oh, God, I hope he gets help. I hope Team Liquid hires somebody to help him.
2: Well, now he's getting paid at least. You know, at least he's getting paid, technically.
3: He's going get those, <laughs> the, them dollar bills for doing it now.
1: You know what, I'm I'm call I'm making a call to arms right now. If you guys have spare time, go in and help update the Liquipedia page for Rocky League. Lukash will help well, he will thank you because he does a lot of work on that. So
0: And he is the team manager, right? Yes. Yeah. So I mean that there especially with everything that's happening with all of the new stuff. Yeah, that's that's not an easy job when your team is a, is a performing team that is going to be in a lot of things
1: did he not stream the uh, him changing the the wikipedia pages didn't take him like 2 days of work
3: oh for the new format yeah <laughs> probably
2: yeah to change everything to the new format
3: i i remember him tweeting out being like
0: oh boy <laughs> congratulations to him as and you know good luck and i i don't want to to i know that it's kind of a meme in the community or or it's just kind of assumed that he is the one that does all of the Liquipedia stuff. But there are, there are those that definitely chip in and help out uh where necessary. I mean, Chewy comes to mind all of the stuff that he's done for, for Liquipedia. And, and you know, you want to give credit where credit is due certainly, but yeah, I think uh, Liquipedia is a great source, but with, Lukash now kind of being team manager for Team Liquid and this new format, I definitely think he's going to need more help. So, Squid, you're right. If you guys listening can uh, can help out, and you know, Sleeky, you're going to have to start helping out too. I'm going to make you do that. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm just going to start removing you out of
3: all the broadcasts. That's going to be my job. Oh,
2: that's rude. That's rude. Casting you.
3: talent, you just see Hunted removed from everything. I'm, it's, there's going to be casting talent, and then there's just going to be casting people, and Hunted is going to be under casting people for each of them.
0: You don't have to worry about removing me from the, the tournaments. The organizers are already doing that. But,
2: uh, <laughs> F in the chat for Hunted. Oh.
0: But, uh, again, congratulations to him. And yeah, go help Wikipedia, please they need it um but let's go ahead and move on we've got a little bit of time left in the show and i want to talk about this because it is kind of important bubble teams will the will the challenge for the bubble teams stem from playing other bubble teams in the grid or do they need to focus on higher level teams to get the opportunities so it's it's like how do you split your time if you're a bubble team if you're a rival series team right how do you split your time do you focus on other rival series teams because there's a good chance you're probably going to play against them in the early rounds or do you focus your time on the rlcs caliber teams to try to cause an upset to go farther in tournaments
3: I feel like a measured approach here is probably the best way to go. I mean, if you're a bubble team, you definitely need to beat other bubble teams, not only just for the practice, but uh, getting the exposure of, oh, yeah, I mean, will we beat all of those guys is a great way to move up. But I think you also need to focus on getting those RLCS teams because, I mean, we've seen it time and time again, especially in the rival series where you have a team like, say, Charlotte Phoenix, who looks really, really good. And I hate to pick on Charlotte Phoenix here, but they look really fantastic. They beat all these rival series teams, but they really haven't had the opportunities to play an RLCS team. And they get there and they take it to the wire, but they they just don't seem to be adequately prepared to play against teams that next step up, even if it's a lower down team. So I think it's going to have to be a combination of both, but they definitely 100% need to be playing those RLCS teams to get that practice in and get that mentality set, or we're going to continue to see them fall just short every time they start to go up against that next level of competition.
1: Yeah, well, I was just going to say to reinforce that kind of agenda, I guess, that you're pushing forward, which they should scrim both equally, is that, for one, obviously E is going to be incredibly challenging for these bubble-slash-rival series teams to be doing that because we talked about how RLCS teams are going to have to put in so much more work, but that's going to be two, uh, three, or four-fold for the rival and bubble teams, and I think a great uh, example of the opposite, kind of the antithesis to Charlotte Phoenix run recently would be, as we talked about in the last episode, team Echo Zulu, who made it to Day 3 in DreamHack Leipzig uh, way back when, Uh, but then they failed to promote from the rival series, when they when they made it, they just could not handle the heat there from the objectively worse teams.
2: I mean, the other part too, though, is uh, in Charlotte Phoenix's case, it's not that they can't play against these. It's not that they haven't had the chance to play against these higher level teams. It's that when they've had the opportunity to consistently go play these teams, they've blown it twice in the rival series plans. They lose at like all the way to game five, like. That, that is a team that just, they struggle so much to perform in a high level situation when it's like everything's on the line. You've got you've got to go all in on this and they can't seem to do it. And for me, I think that's going to be the bigger thing that you're looking at for a lot of these teams is can they handle these higher pressure situations? Can they find a level of consistency despite what weight is on their shoulders? Uh, Charlotte Phoenix they've struggled time and time again to show that they can shoulder that weight. Unfortunate. You, you oftentimes wish that they could pull through, but they just haven't done it. But I think that's going to be one of the big things that you have to look at in these teams is just, can you handle playing not only a team of equal caliber to you, but a team of technically higher caliber to you that, you know, has got more accolades than you. Can you still take them to the wire and complete take them down And move on. That's that's the big thing I'm looking at.
0: So you want equal time spent between the lower bubble scene, higher RLCS teams, if possible. I mean, again, I mean, just finding a level of consistency. I don't even think it's a matter
2: of who it is you're playing. It's finding ways to take on those tense situations where it is game five OT. Can you be the team that secures that goal? The a lot of these teams, when it comes to those tense moments, they struggle and they just can't. Or if you start finding yourself on the bad side of a reverse sweep that's coming your way, can you can you kind of wipe the slate clean and can you perform again? I think a lot of these teams, they kind of fall short in some key moments. And that's the that's the one thing I would like to see is uh and I think kind of touching on my point earlier, you're going to see coaches start playing a bigger point, bigger role in all of this, because. They're going to be helping do the research. They're going to be the ones to kind of help you focus your efforts on what it is you need most. These teams, they they have various different weaknesses, and I think it is figure out what your weakness is and tackle that. I don't. If you can tackle your weakness and you can consistently move past that weakness, I think it doesn't matter whether you're facing a bubble team, rival series team, RLCS team, you will perform.
1: Well, you bring up that point, and I almost now wonder if something we haven't really considered is if those bubble or rival series teams do have a coach, which many do nowadays, if they kind of first off are going to have almost a calculated search pattern where they say, okay, this is where we're really weak, so I'm going to look for teams that can punish that effectively And then we're going to try and uh, see if that's going to be a real threat for us in the near future, or if that will be event specific, maybe if they're not, if they're going to start practicing that again, against that kind of play style before the events come around, or if they're going to look at the bracket and say, okay, we really need to hammer this. Otherwise we're going to get, you know, screwed over really early on. So that's an interesting point. I feel like uh, even more to say, going back to what we did before, coaches are going to become much more prominent in that regard.
2: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's a matter of learning yourself, then learning your opponent. And a lot of these teams, they try to learn their opponents. You know, take time, figure out what it is you suck at, and then workshop that until that is not your weak spot anymore. Then find what the new weak spot is. Work on that. That's how you achieve greatness. Or you can just uh, kick a player and pick up somebody new, as we've seen so many times in the past. You know, that's fair. Yeah. We've seen success with that, so I can't argue. We have (laughs) seen
1: success with that, but uh, I am not advising strongly any coaches out there to start kicking players wanton.
2: Squid strongly in support of kicking weak players.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Only if their name is Ryan, then then consider it. I suppose.
3: I I am the weakest person on this team. I will I will agree to that. (laughs) Squid scarred to advocate for kicking weak players. He would never be able to get on a team. Oh, hey, well, time out, Slade. You say that, but uh... I remember beating you in a one v one. I'm like diamond two and one, so I'm just saying.
1: Okay, all right, we're bringing we're bringing this back up oh goodness all
2: right we'll 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 make we'll have the 1v1 off stream and or you know let's actually make a stream out of that because hunted don't we don't we have
0: a twitch now we do have a twitch twitch.tv Ooh, we could do we could do something with that yeah, it's twitch.tv talk podcast you can find if you think we have a social media just look up talk podcast and i bet you we do Twitter, Instagram, YouTube.
2: We do have a Facebook,
0: am I correct? Facebook page, yeah.
2: Yeah! I called it. We were going to go... I called it. We were going to go old school.
3: As for, for, for the four boomers that are going to be interested in us. We were going to go old school. I knew it. Where's our MySpace page? Oh, man. MySpace was... I mean,
2: quick aside. MySpace was so cool how you could personalize your own page. Just saying.
3: Okay, boomer.
0: All right. Well, we're not talking about this right now. We just lost ninety percent of people under the age of twenty. <laughs> I want to get to the end of the podcast before we lose all of our viewership. That would be nice, but uh, well, you know, you guys talked about the the bubble scene and RLCs teams, but you didn't talk about the top level competition. How are teams going to uh, prepare for Raw Greg and his team?
3: I mean, they need to just lay down, forfeit, <laughs> to be honest with you. There's no stopping, Greg. There's no getting past that. It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, how do you stop this uh, immovable object? You don't. If it decides to do something, it's going to do it. Sleeky,
1: I hate to break it to you, but an immovable object is never going to, I mean, it's already stopped. That's that's kind of, it's
3: in the name. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> an unstoppable force, then. My bad. My analogies are awful today.
1: All right. Uh, although I will say that uh, you know, for Greg's favor, you know, we've always seen him get stonewalled in the final match or so of the rival series play-ins. But guess what?
2: Those don't exist
1: anymore. They There's nothing stopping him. It, it no was like barriers. the one barrier. There's nothing stopping Rog Greg anymore.
2: I think I think now I think now you're going through the bracket, you see your next matchup, you look, you're like, Rog. Immediate FF. You're done. You're done.
3: And and you know what? To help the cause, every time Raw Greg is going up for a game, I'm gonna bet against him so that he (laughs) can go ahead and grab that win. Oh yeah, that's that is 200 IQ. I take one for the team. No, that's good. That's good. He's he
0: hot take. Raw Greg definitely 200 IQ right there. Grand slam, major winner. Grand slam. Feel like you're setting up a
3: transition.
1: Yo, can we pick up Rog? I don't even care who he's teaming with. I'm assuming it's gonna be Savvy Seal and, and probably Bork. But let's let's pick him up. Can we get Can we get the talk?
3: Team? Yeah,
0: Bork retired. Yeah, yeah Bork it's retired. Savvy right and uh, oh no, I just saw it. I, adverse. No, it it's still? not adverse meteor anymore. Um, shoot, I was ready for it, and I can't remember now. Good job, darn I'm looking it. Looking
1: forward to seeing what kind of waves they can make, though.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm glad I'm not host this week. (laughs) Well, speaking of, it's time to move on to our final section, the hot takes. And we've got a good one kind of related to the raw Greg thing. But uh, this this hot take this week comes from Ryan and we're going to give Ryan the floor for about uh, a good five minutes or so to try to convince the three of us on why he thinks No bubble team is going to make top eight in a major this season.
2: So yeah, I do not believe that a single bubble team will make it the top eight in any of the majors this season. And a lot of that really comes from the fact that, and I'm really sorry, raw Greg, I, I, I still love you deep in my heart. Just understand that. But I think that you're going to see a lot of these teams really struggle because when it comes time to really go out and perform, you do see a lot of these RLCS caliber teams really step up to the plate. And we we had some discussion beforehand about this because when I put it down, there was already heated points on this but uh, for any of those of you who want to sit there and say oh the peeps and Pittsburgh Knights I got news for you Uh, that's the only team in recent memory that has ever made it to top eight let alone taken a major in recent history Uh, and then you may want to refer back to the Muffin Men the other issue with that is the gap between RLCS teams and the bubble scene has grown so much wider uh, overall I would say since back in season three when you saw the Muffin Men kind of storm their way through and by all by all regards the muffin men were still a really high caliber team i mean once they finally got into rlcs they made their way through pretty well and so i think you see a lot of struggles there for them uh top eight though i think that's gonna be a really hard thing to do and mind you though when i say top eight i mean in majors specifically the grid you know who knows those are weeklies anything can happen in those because I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of the RLCS teams take those quite as seriously. They will take them serious to an extent, um, but at the end of the day, they're probably not going to be as worried about their overall standing as they will when it comes to a major, because a major implies uh, it's a much grander stage and you're going to see them step up on that grand stage because they've been there time and time again, Bubble scenes teams, unfortunately they haven't had that experience yet in a lot of cases. And that kind of sucks. I think you're going to see it happen this season though. I think give it this full season, Maybe one more—that's a big maybe—and I think you start seeing it happen. But I—I I believe this season that we do not see a bubble
0: team within the top eight for any of the three majors or the international. Well, Ryan, does that conclude your defense? Yes, sir. All right, Ryan's lawyer Sleeky, does that conclude your defense?
3: I'm not gonna lie—I had to mute myself there to prevent myself from jumping in with opposition to his statements. I, I was—I was sitting there behind my muted mic screaming. <laughs> <I knew it.
0: laughs> I knew it. I, I wanted to put you on the spot, Sue so said. Okay.
3: Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> I don't I don't know if I could more vehemently disagree with a hot take. I almost burned myself when I saw it the first time. <laughs>
0: Just screaming in his room. <laughs> yeah, one of these weeks, somebody's gonna convince Sleegy of the hot take, and it's gonna be the most beautiful thing we've ever experienced. I I I mean he's he's gonna disagree with all these hot takes. Well, you
2: come up with something more realistic, maybe. <laughs> oh, that'll be a miracle. Yeah,
0: well, of course.
3: Maybe, you know, the only time he's going to be convinced is when it's his. Oh, take. I mean, I mean, my <laughs> hot takes aren't even hot takes. They're just objective facts. Come on. All right. This coming from a guy
1: who predicts wrong every single time. I almost wonder if you should agree on purpose so that way it
2: doesn't come true. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So did, so did I convince you guys at all? No.
1: I honestly think i'm swaying in your favor a little bit here
2: lame really yes
1: just a little yes just a little
2: well
3: you got squid good job all right hey you know just a l- you you've moved i've moved the needle on you that's the important part for me i think you pushed me farther in the opposite direction
1: you need like a full 360 degrees and you probably got it like 10
2: that's all i'm saying you know i can call it a day now wrap this thing
0: up we're done yeah <laughs> you know ryan i would agree with you if it wasn't top eight if it was top four i'd agree no nah, i think top eight but i think we see a bubble team wiggle their way into a top eight and probably run into like NRG or something
2: so here is so who is there anybody among the current bubble teams that you even think could make top eight
0: yeah raw greg dude grand slam champion
2: raw greg again i love the. i love the man i just don't see it happening and by the way difference though difference i want to make a clarification here Riv previous rival series teams and bubble teams, different things. Rival series, technically you are considered a pro. Bubble team, you are not. That's the clarification. Oh well, that doesn't count. Get out of here with that. Yes,
3: it does, because technically you are a pro. Now no, get out of here! You can't clarify that after the fact. No, technically, you are a professional Rocket League player. I, 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 oh, uh, objection! <laughs> you're his. You're his lawyer. You can't object. What, what do you mean? Yeah, I, I, I recuse myself from this madman's service. I can hear the Southern accent start to creep its way in there for a second. Like, that was beautiful. Well, I dare say, if I do not disagree, even more so with my client now. <laughs>
0: All right, all right. Okay, you know what? The, I guess the hot take really this week was what the hell is a bubble player? Because we can't even decide. Bubble team, you haven't broken through the bubble. On that. No, Ryan, shut up. We're done. <laughs> hot take is over. You'd be held in contempt if you keep it up. <laughs> the adults are speaking, Ryan. All right, but thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. It was a good conversation. I. It is interesting. Will we see a bubble team make top eight? I, I, I personally think... We may, but it's going to be a long road, especially with how much money is on the line and how many good teams there are these days in the rival series, or in, in RLCS, of course. So, uh, But anyway, that's going to conclude our, uh, our podcast for this week, episode number two. Uh, make sure that you like us on pretty much all of the social media we mentioned earlier, Twitter, Instagram, we've got a Facebook, if you're into that, YouTube, if you don't want to listen... Through a regular podcast service, we'll be uploading the episodes to our YouTube channel. Again, it's Talk It Podcast on all of those different sites. Uh, And again, all major podcast suppliers or providers. I don't know what they're called, but wherever you can hear it, it's there. Wherever you listen to podcasts, get it from the local podcast warehouse, Spotify, Apple yeah exactly yeah I mean if you have like a yeah. like local podcast shop a, you go to
1: we've got a vinyl I
0: just ask them to play you a the 50.
1: podcast <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 well anyways we appreciate you all so very much for listening and we will be back next week with even more dumb hot takes can't wait to see that.